In Pasuk, in the Pasuk that describes the story where the servant of Yosef chases down the brothers of Yosef as they're leaving Mitzrayim, and he accuses them of stealing the goblet that belongs to Yosef. So they said, they said to him, the brothers said to the servant, It is unseemly for your for us, your servants, to do such a thing. Rashi. So Rashi says, Rashi gives two interpretations of the word which I interpreted unseemly for your servants. First he says, this is profane, it's profane for us to do it. Um, like uh, an expression of it would be disgraceful for us to do something like that. The Targum, so that's one explanation. The Targum Unkula says, Chasla Vadecha, heaven forbid that we should do something like that. Heaven forbid from Hashem should have Hashem should have Rachmanus on us rather than us doing something like that or being accused of something like that. There is many expressions like this in, in found in the Gemara, uh, which use that word chas. May Hashem have mercy on us. Chas v'sholem, like the common phrase chas v'sholem. Hashem have mercy on us, and we should be in peace. Now, freer in Parshavayeder, earlier in Parshavayeder, by the time of Avram and some uh, Avram was arguing, debating with Hashem. Uh, regards to destroying Stoim, Avram is trying to convince Hashem not to destroy Stoim. He said, Ha'af tispet tzadikim Russia, would you destroy a tzadik along with a Russia? So over there it also says, the same expression, from doing it would be profane for you to do something like that. When Rashi is dot mefarish deverta chalilocha, there too Rashi explains the words what chalilocha means. He says chulin hulach. This is non-holy. Hashem behaves in a holy way. This is unholy for him to do something like that. Yoimru kachu avnasei. They should say that this is how Hashem conducts his business. That he destroys a, a tzaddik together with along with a rasha. Tafen fashtein. So we have to understand. Why is it, first of all, Pavasas in Parshavayeda, why is it that in Parshavayeda was stated Loshon Chalila? So Mershon Mo, where the word Chalila appears for the first time, is a Chrashim Estapak bitten up Taishan. It's enough for Rashi to simply explain Chulin Hulacha. This is something which is not holy, this is not the way Hashem should uh, conduct this business. When in Unza Parsha, whereas in our Parsha, Gnugdazich Nish Mitzogn Chulin Hulanu, it's not enough. He doesn't say that they said this is beneath us. This is prost for us. When there is Moshev and he adds Loshen Ganai that this is an expression of it's disgraceful for us. Why does he have to explain what Chulin is if he already explained if he already said those words in a, describing what Avram said to Hashem? And over here he feels he has to add that it's a disgrace. If Chulin needs more explanation, then he should have explained it in the in the first time that he said Chulin. There he simply says Chulin and, and assumes that you'll understand what that means. He doesn't have to ex- explain that it means a disgrace.
a second thing. Nochmer, the question is even greater. Rashi is don nish nor in this case he does not only does he add the words it is, it's a disgrace nor a gate but he also adds another whole explanation of what might mean what the uncle has said the targum why is it that in Parshavayeda the first time that it appears it's enough to give one meaning to the word which is that it's chulin it's unholy, non-holy. And is the snish maspik over here. He doesn't feel that that's enough. And on it feels that we need another explanation of what it means. In other words, heaven forbid that we should do something like that. Based the beer in them. So to explain, in Parshavayera is the loshon chalila gizogevar and klapidem eibishn. In Parshavayera the the saying, who did he say it to? Who did Avram say it to? He said it to Hashem. Chalilu Lachai means it's unseemingly, it's unseeming for you to do something like that. Which by Hashem, the, the word, the concept of that he should behave in a way less than holy doesn't, is unimaginable. That's never going to happen. Therefore, it's enough for Rashi to say that to do something like that, to do something like this, you're going to do something like that. Why not? Is is because this is not a holy way of behaving. So that's enough. When you talk to Hashem, you're talking about Hashem, just saying you're going to do something which is not holy. That's enough of a, of. It's out of the question for you to do something like that. Is medemalein ishing chloris of just saying that it's clear already. Thus is the by the mevishin in ganzen abgefrekt. It's clearly out of the question for Hashem to behave in a way that is less than holy because Hashem is holiness itself. So how could He do something which is less than holy? However, so therefore Rashi doesn't have to go on to explain anything more than cholin hulacha. This is not a holy way to behave. Period. That's enough. In Unzav Parsha, however, in our Parsha, for Setzel Benigay Benei Adam, where it talks about human beings, which do do things, are commonly involved with things which are not necessarily holy, things which would be considered to be ordinary, mundane things, like, you know, uh, people eat, people do business, that, those are not holy activities. Of course, you have to do it in a way that is not unholy. But they aren't necessarily holy. So therefore, by zay, by regular human beings, is blois chulin just saying this is something which is not a, a holy way of, of behaving. That wouldn't be enough to say you're going to do something which is unholy, which is not holy. Of course, I ate breakfast this morning. That wasn't holy. I went to business this morning. That wasn't holy. Of course I do things which are not necessarily holy. I would never do something which is contravenes being holy, but not something which is neutral. So therefore when you talk to regular people or, peop- or people are describing, them, describing themselves just saying, would I ever do something that is not holy? The height of holiness? Yeah, you might, of course. 
and they are trying to convince him that they would never steal the, the silver goblet that belongs to Yosef so by saying that's not a holy activity would we ever do something like that yes of course you do things which are just ordinary and mundane because what's the big deal what's, what's the big deal if a person did something which is mundane, ordinary just regular day to day life so therefore the brothers couldn't be saying that. The Riba Muzdor Rashi Moises, and that's why Rashi here in this case has to add, as Ulanu, that when they said this is not a holy way to behave, they meant more than that, is Loshen Genai, they said this is a disgraceful way to behave. That's what they meant. Chulin Da, when we say the word Chulin over here, is Nishba Grenet Sumtoich from Vachadikait. It's not it meant to be in the context of it's not holy it's not a, the higher of holiness that's not what it means but it's also something which signifies that it's something disgraceful and that's why they were saying this would be out of the question for us to behave in such a way it would be similar to what some people would say he, they, you behave like such a commoner commoner could mean cholin but what they mean is an insult. It's a disgraceful. It's beneath you to behave in such a way. In Yiddish, prost. When a person behaves in a way that's prost, it means chulin. But it means it's, an, it's beneath you. That's what it means. Gimel. But the pirush is nishglatik. But this is not enough to explain this matter. Vile because when when could you say that when you use the term chulin, it means disgraceful? when we're talking about a person that because of his high station in life therefore he has nothing to do because he's a person of a higher lives in a higher uh, stratosphere in regards to his behavior so therefore he has nothing to do with the regular stuff Therefore, when he says this is such a common thing, is that to him means it's so disgraceful. Like an I am, I live in a much higher level than that. In other words, to a person like that, um, <clears throat> let's say a king, a king would never do anything which is ordinary. I remember when the new king of England there was a big tumult when he became the king because they, he was signing something and he had he didn't move the inkwell out of the way he had a servant move the inkwell out of the way because the king doesn't move an inkwell that's, that's below beneath his station in other words to somebody like that doing something common is a disgrace even more so in fact by using such a term that this is common it's even more of a makes it even more absolutely out of the question than even saying something disgraceful because when somebody that is on a higher level says this is a common thing that I would never do 
he shows, that expresses that I am on such a level where I cannot do something ordinary, something common. So in other words, he, it, it puts it more out of the question because of who he is than doing something disgraceful even. Because it's not on something that I would ever do in my loss on my level. Is by him as I upgefrekt so by him it's so out of the question. Biz as a davachulin is by him nish veinike genai v'adavim maguna mamish. So to him, doing something common is no less out of the question than doing something which is truly disgraceful, like stealing, like ganevokids, but which was what they were talking about. They were being accused of stealing. So by their saying, if they were a king, let's say. So if they would say, that's a common thing to do, that would be even more emphatic, making more of an emphasis on, that's so beneath me, even more than the concept of being accused of stealing. Because I don't do common things, whatever they may be. However, in our case, here, Nobody was. It wasn't. It wasn't part of the discussion that they are people of such a high station that they don't do ordinary things. What they were trying to fend off was an accusation that they actually committed theft. It's difficult to say as that they were meant to bring that out by saying this is like a common behavior. This is totally they would be like trying to fend off an, a direct accusation by something which nobody even mentioned about them. Whoever mentioned that they are people of a higher station that are not, are not at all of the station to be able to do something common. They're trying to fend off the accusation of theft by saying, you know that we are people that don't do anything common. That would be difficult to say that that's what it meant. To be saying, as he says in the parentheses, as Gneve is Bazei Mufrach, that theft is so out of the question. Why? Because even just to move an inkwell, as we said, would be something beneath us. So that would, it's difficult to say that that's what they were trying to say here. And certainly not that they were trying to convince an ordinary Goy. The, the messenger, the Yosef's attendant uh, there that sent, he sent after them. So in other words, not just an ordinary guy that doesn't necessarily behave in this very, very exalted level that he doesn't do things which are common. And, so, and some, a guy from the country of Mitzrayim which is considered to be the most decrepit place, morally decrepit place in the world at the time. To whom certainly, to him, certainly that uh, common behavior would not be something which is disgraceful and out of the question. So what is it trying to convince him? That they, he doesn't understand the, con- the very concept. So it can't be that that's what they were trying to say. And since this is the case, it would be more in uh, in line, fitting. So that they should express their the, the, how it's out of the question that they should have stolen it. Not by saying that this is something common, nor but that they should 
actually say this would be disgraceful for us to do it because talking in such elevated terms something common first of all it falls on deaf ears for a guy like that and second of all they too who says that they were not shaykh and not capable of doing something which regular people do they do do things which regular people do the river brings Rashi the Pirush Targum that's why Rashi also brings the second interpretation as that by saying that it's uh, out of the question means heaven forbid that we should do something like that so in Gizot they were saying heaven forbid that we should do something like steal so not only were they saying that it's uh, you know out of the question but they were saying heaven forbid Hashem forbid that we should it should be held against us that we did something like that what they were saying is that Hashem protects us heaven protects us from being accused from ever doing something even inadvertently certainly not deliberately but even unknowingly to steal something like that Hashem would protect us from that so Rashi needs to find a second interpretation. Why? Because the word, um, the original word chulin, which Rashi reinterprets as gnai, as disgraceful, but the word chulin, because that's what it must mean, because they can't be claiming that they live on this super holy place. But in the end, the word chalilalacha means uh, common. So Rashi says it's difficult to say that the word chulin actually means uh, disgraceful because it means common. So therefore he finds another meaning of the word chulin which is heaven forbid that we should be accused of such a thing, that we should have done such a thing. But since in Tanakh, nowhere in Tanakh do we find that the word chalila should actually be interpreted as Hashem should protect us from such things. So Rashi says, but in the Gemara we do find many uses, many examples of using it in that way. When the river and therefore bring this Rashi, not also Satan Pirush, and that's why Rashi uses this as the second interpretation, because since nowhere in Chumash or in, in the entire Tanakh do we find such a usage of the word Chalila. So therefore, he has to leave it for a second, um, a second interpretation. It can't be the first direct meaning of the word because why not anywhere else in Tanakh? So he gives leaves it as a second interpretation. When the first and primary interpretation says Rashi is that it means it's something which is beneath us. It's common, and therefore we don't do it. And even though it leaves the problem of what do you mean common? They do common. And see, Rashi explains that it means more than beneath us. It means it's disgraceful. But that is not the normal usage of the word Khalila and the Chumash. That's why he uses the second interpretation, which is not in Chumash, but at least it's in the Gemara. Dalit. Now the Rebbe goes on for the rest of the Sikha in what is the lesson to us? The Yerof and the Pirush Rashi in Abayz Hashem what is the lesson of this Rashi in our service of Hashem? The Alter Rebbe is Mevayir in Torah the Alter Rebbe explains in Torah that every Yid has to 
emulate what the others did. Whatever we know about the others, we have to emulate that kind of lifestyle as well. But other qualities that, that we may find in the Torah in regards to other people, like for instance, things that we know about the Shvatim. There could be a yid which doesn't have those qualities. They're, they're not meant, it's, it, because Reuven had that quality, doesn't mean that every yid has to have that quality. But if Avram or Yitzchak or Yaakov had a quality, that is expected of every yid. The Pshat of Fun, what this means is, Nish Yedet Eid Muzhabim in Zich, the Alabachinus from Ninyonim Vyachadim. Not every yid has to contain every specific quality that is found by other people in the Torah. For instance, certain qualities that a certain shevet had, which other shevatim did not have. They were outstanding in that quality. But those general um, qualities, by which all shevatim had those qualities, for the others. Why did they have those qualities? Why did everybody share those qualities? Every one of the Shvatim, because because they were the sons of Avram, Yitzchok, and Yaakov. Therefore, these were things that every son of Avram, Yitzchok, and Yaakov has to have. And if every shevet had that quality, therefore every yid has to have that quality as well. Every yid has the ability to have that quality, and therefore has to work on developing it. Now that is the same is true in this matter as well. Since they were saying that this is something common and therefore it's, as Rashi says, disgraceful to us, is this was not said by a specific one of the brothers. Nor from the Shvatim this was their answer as a whole, as a whole group. This was their answer to the guy, to that accusation. You know, he didn't steal it, he stole it. None of us could do something like that. His movement, so it's understood as the which means that this, this kind of behavior, that if something is common, it's out of the question for us, it's disgraceful for us, is true for every yid, because it's true for every shevet, every one of the brothers, so therefore it means it comes from Abraham Yitzchak and therefore it belongs, that kind of behavior belongs to every yid. Aida Vizna Yid has to know, as a yid, everything about you is holiness. Everything about you has to be holiness. Ermit Chulin Gashmiz, Sainabazundaravelton. A yid and common stuff, which means gashmius, material things, are two worlds, two separate worlds. These are dos haben sutamid gashmius as chulin, and it goes so far that if a, someone has to has is engaged with gashmius in a way which is common, is for emaganai would be for him disgraceful. This is a disgraceful behavior for a yid, for me as a yid. As Dav by M Zayne Gansen it has to be totally out of the question, as the brother said, as how Rashi explains what the brother said. This is a common behavior and therefore disgraceful to us, and this is true for every yid. Una der hergish Dav and this feeling has to be nish nor betnimius nafshe, not only in the depth of your soul, in the depth of your heart, somewhere in there is this knowledge and feeling. 
This has to be manifest. This has to be how you comport yourself. And it has to be in such a way that even the Goyim can recognize it. That a Yid has no connection to regular Gashmi's, the good things. As he mentioned before, as by the Shvatim is given by Pashtus, that by the, the brothers, it was an obvious thing, as the Taina von Chulun Hulanu, that to accuse them of something which is common, Alain, that enough, that accusation on, on, on itself is Genugai Chacha, is enough of a proof, for a Goy from Mitzrayim, that even a Goy from Mitzrayim, as by Zay is Nitzayach Hazainian, even he should recognize. Even he can understand that a yid has no connection to something which is common and ordinary. That even a guy recognizes and knows as chulin is from mushlo that something common is completely out of the question. Punkt vigeneve by andere, just like for somebody else to accuse them of stealing would be insulting to them, accusing a yid the Shvatim, the brothers, or a Yid in general, of being, doing something that's ordinary, common, not holy, is insulting, is disgraceful. And even though it's true, that Torah itself tells a Yid, for six days a week you shall work, you shall do all your work. As a Yid is bechel, the Torah instructs a Yid that during the weekday in other words not on Shabbos but during the rest of the week he should be occupied by doing a job which is common however is the intent of the Torah is not it doesn't mean that you should lower yourself to the standards of the Chulin, nor other of it, but to the contrary, as a Zayn Suzain to the Darga Umatsufun, that what it means is that a Yid should raise up all the work, all the stuff that is common, the Gashmias that he has to engage with, he should raise it up to the level of Khulnushnasal Tarasakadesh, to things which are holy. You have to elevate them to holy. As the Gemara says, that there are mundane things which were prepared on the level of holiness. It talks about Tumavatara, that a, a chavar, somebody that was a higher, kept a higher standard of Tumavatara, even their regular stuff, needless to say that if they were eating truma or uh, chala or anything which is sanctified, that they had to treat it in, in a way that it didn't become tummy. But to them, even the regular stuff, chulin, the regular stuff that they ate for lunch, also, they kept, always kept the tar. So a yid has to treat the gashmias that he engages in as keeping it, raising it up to the level of holiness. Which, how do you reach that? How do you accomplish that? It, uh, following what it says, all your works, everything that you do should be for the sake of heaven. So you raise everything up to being for the sake of heaven, even regular, ordinary stuff, so it becomes sanctified, and Nochmer even more so, that in everything that you do, it is, you are, it's there for Hashem. Everything that you do is only done for Hashem. 
until you take something ordinary, you bring it into a state of holiness. They become not just the regular ordinary food, but they become like uh, there is a lighter, a lower standard of kochim, which means sanctified foods like carbonus uh, on a basic level, you could even bring it up to the level of the sanctified within the sanctified, like carbonus, which were on a higher level. So you can bring ordinary stuff into a level of holiness, even high level of holiness. Hey, how is it that the fact that a yid can reach such a level as a filu, then it is that even when he's occupied, engaged within the way that the Torah allows it with mundane things, is it in Gansam moved to say he still remains completely separate from them? Until being mundane things, they are like disgraceful to him. He would never want anything to do with it. He wouldn't want to enjoy the thing itself. That's something beneath him. How do you live like that? This comes from the fact this is because this is how Hashem reacts to it. Even the godly light which is within engaged in the worlds, which is on the level of creation that which invests itself into the worlds. It isn't, it's not to say that the world um, controls, it comes under the control of worldly matters in other words that even that godly light which is comes down into the world to create and so on but it's not captured by the world the world doesn't leave any imprint on it, it remains removed from the world even then the myth is moving the Hadgosha which explains why Avram repeated a certain point. He said, He said, It is profane from you from doing something like that to kill a tzaddik in a rasha. And then he said it again. It is profane from you. It's the one who judges the whole world should not do justice. So why does he have to repeat it? It would seem as the Even if there would be some way in which we could say, this is impossible to say. But even if, as a, as Avram is expressing it, it would be possible to say that Hashem is for some reason not on the level of of uh, you know honesty and so on. From Shoifet He is the one that judges the whole world. In other words, somehow he doesn't measure up to that level of the one who judges the whole world and therefore has to be perfect in every way, in the way he uh, meets out judgment. Even if he was not the perfect judge, but to, that he should sink to the level where he would kill a, a tzaddik together with a rasha, you don't have to be the most perfect judge not to do that. So then why is he... Avram said two things. It's out of the question for, for you to do something like that, to kill a tzaddik in a rasha. Then he goes on to say, the one who is the perfect judge of the world, would he not do uh, 
perfect justice? You don't need to be the perfect judge not to kill a tzaddik with a rasha. So why does, what is Avram saying? Why does he need both of these expressions? Nor, but rather what he's trying to say is the myth of Avram, Avram was trying to emphasize that Afilu in the Dargaf and Ashavit Kola Oretz, that even when Hashem goes down to the level where he is the judge of the world, which means he is integrating with the world, he's bringing highest energy creation to the world. The Dargaf and Ulukuzvasim, that level of godliness in which the stuff that goes on in the world is important. That, this is the level from which the world is being judged the world is being conducted the level of Hashem which is involved in the world and that's where reward and punishment comes from that's what, what Avram is saying this is even in your integration with the world, even in your involvement in the world, this would also be beneath you. Even there, it's beneath you to be caught up in something mundane, something not perfectly holy. That's what he's saying. In other words, bringing out the point that the Rebbe made, that even something, Hashem, where he is integrated with the world, is also not caught up in the world, is also above and beyond, and doesn't become ordinary, mundane, because he's involved with the mundane. And that's why the same thing could be could happen to a yid. Since we are a part of Hashem, that even when a yid has to engage with mundane, worldly matters, he doesn't get caught up in it. In his inner, in his essence, not even his core essence, but even in his true sense of self, he remains removed from that. So much so that being accused of being involved or being into Gashmius would be disgraceful to him. On does Gufa, the point is that because Hashem behaves that way, that's why the Yidna are able to behave that way. On does Gufa is the Tam, Vasaid Hadam Kayach, and that's the reason why a Yid has the ability to even machen the Chulim Bizon Veren Chulish Nasal Tarasakadish. That's why a Yid has the ability to be able to transform something which is mundane into holiness. Why does he have that ability? Is it in Gansanachulin? The reason is because at, in essence, who he really is, is something that's completely removed, higher than Cholin. That's why he's able to transform it and raise it up to a level which is holy. Because that's where the Yid it's himself or herself really is. Therefore, he can bring it up to his level. Vav, now, this lesson, also is connected to the general theme of our parsha. In Velchas Retzerveng, the Kates on the Letzte Sibis and Meurais, which describes the the end of the story, so to speak, and the uh, the events surrounding that which describes how is it that Yaakov actually literally went and traveled to Mitzrayim, ended up 
in Mitzrayim. And in them Golos Mitzrayim versus Rachel Chol Golos, they ended up in Mitzrayim, and then eventually into the Golos Mitzrayim, which is the the uh, paradigm of all Golos that the Eden went through and all the generations after. So this parsha describes how did we end up in Golos. As you do, uh, it's known the piskum for Rabbeinu Seyni, what our, our Rebbe said, the, our Rabbeim said, as nor unzer gufim zaynanibi gebengolus v'shibet malchus. It's only our bodies which were placed into the golus. Aber unzer neshames, but our souls, hakmen in golus nishvatrim, were not banished into golus. Un in shibus malchus, nor under the control of the kingdoms under whom we live. And therefore, nishtibigigem, we were not given under their control. The neshama was not given under their control. For this reason, can Golos have Mashlita if nor Demelt, and therefore Golos can only have any effect of being controlling a Yid. Can, that can only happen when Zayn Gufe and Inyanum Gashmin Haben by That can only happen when when material things are important to a Yid. If material things become important to a yid, then he falls under the control of Golas. But when Gashmians, Gashmias means nothing to a yid, nor but the Gashmias to him is disgraceful. Because what's dominant in the yid is the neshama which is within him. Which neshama is completely removed from anything gashmiistic and therefore anything mundane. Therefore, if the golus has no control of the neshama, the golus only has control of the gulf, which means gashmias. So, if a yid doesn't have any, doesn't give any importance to gashmias, the neshama is not under the control of golus. So then he's not in golus. He's completely removed above the Golos. Only somebody that puts importance on Gashmias could be under the control of Golos. One could say perhaps that this is the that this is also the inner reason that the final thing, the final event which caused Yaakov to have to come down to Mitzrayim is given, thus, in other words, the, what led to the Golos, is thus asmad by the Shvatvin Gifunad the Gviyah Kesef, is the fact that they found the silver goblet by the Shvatvin. Varam Golos is Shibut Malchias, because what does Golos mean? Golos means that we are enslaved under the burden of the other governments that where we live. Can it shayla zayn, if idn saydan ven siz bazei dal uchalapachas epezachasarim? In the Mergish Vachulin, Loshinganai. When can somebody, as we said before, when can somebody be under the control of Golos? Only if there is some subtle, at least a subtle lack of feeling that something mundane is disgraceful to us. When somebody is not completely on board with that idea that Gashmi is, is, is disgraceful, Chulin is disgraceful, then you can get into Golos. And therefore, does vazei zayin nichshul givaren. So, haben by zirtem givia kesef. 
the fact that they, in the end, even though it was done to them and they didn't really, there wasn't, they weren't at fault, but it did happen that they had the silver goblet. Even though they be even though they were totally unaware that it was there, is But somehow, in a very subtle way, this shows if I give on a certain lack of this in on their feeling of the complete that they didn't despise Gashmius enough so that it could never end up in their possession. It's a very subtle thing. They didn't even know, but on the level of the Shvatim, if they had been perfect in this thing, it would never have ended up in, under their control, in their, uh, in their control, this silver goblet. al in a way similar to what is known as that as far as the Neshama of a Yid, it's not even possible that a yid should commit a sin even b'shoigig, even inadvertently, unknowingly, because the neshama is so completely removed from the concept of sin that not even a mistaken sin could happen. In other words, a mistaken sin means you didn't even know that it was a sin. But the neshama needs to be is aware and senses that this is off limits. This is not the right thing. Something is wrong. Therefore, can never commit a sin even b'shoigig. In the same way, the Shvatim, had they been perfectly, dis, in, in, a, in a sense, despise everything Cholin, they would never end up owning, or not owning, but having the, the goblet under their control. So because they lacked that despising of Cholin in a very, very subtle way, that's what led ultimately to the Golos. That's why Yaakov had ended up having to go to Golos, to Mitzrayim, which had turned out the Golos, and so on. Zayin. Kishem Yidosiz ben Geitzu Eden. Just like this is true for the Yid, as the Gansi Inin HaGolos is Normit Chitzainis, that the whole Golos is only very external, it only affects the Gashmias of Yid, Mitzad HaGuf, but internally what a Jew truly is, Mitzad HaNeshama, which is the Neshama, is there in Amatzah from Cheres the Yid remains outside Golis in a state of freedom. The same is true for the Golis, the concept of Golis itself. The Kavanav is the Ebishta Shikta Eden in Golis. The purpose and the reason why the Ebishta sends the Eden to Golis is only in order to be able to go from there to a higher level. That should lead to a much higher level, to a greater Golis which comes as a result of the Golos. And therefore, the going into Golos is only an external thing. Only if you don't understand what the purpose of the Golos is, do you consider it a Golos. But in its true meaning, and what is the purpose of the whole Golos? It's really an idea of Golos. As a marshal, one could say that when somebody wants to build a new big house, so he first has to demolish the old house. So the, the contractor comes in and he does, he makes a big mess in the house. That is a golus. The people that live there are living in dust and darkness and so on. But nobody would say that they're in a, in a state of golus. They know that the whole purpose of the demolition part of, the, of this uh, project is in order to build a new house. So they see it, we started building our house. 
even though they're demolishing the old house, but that's called starting to build a house. The Golos is the beginning of Gaula, if you understand, if you understand what its purpose is. When the Bir Pnimi in the Maimachazal, this also explains the inner meaning of what our sages tell us, the well known Maimachazal, as Tekev Nochem Chorbim, that as soon as the Besamish was destroyed, Neulad Mashiach Begoylem Shal Yisrael, the Redeemer Mashiach was born right at that moment of the when the Besamish was destroyed. Thus, haste, what this means to say, Bepnimis, is as Gleich by Das Cholof and the Golos, that right at the beginning of the Golos, the Golem started immediately. It's not a later thing which comes. It is the whole project of the Golos is the point of bringing to a greater Golos. Since that is the whole purpose of the Golos, so therefore the redemption started as soon as the Golos started. Already we have the redemption project is alive and well. When in them is the Avoid of Naid, and that is also the Avoid of a Yid Durg Dem was appoiled as in sein Anhagazol Zichern, sein Pnimis de Gemuros. When a Yid is able to bring about that the way he behaves is that you see what his inner, what's the purpose of a Yid, what is he, who is he. The Neshama of us is Hechafen to sein Angolus. What is he is the Neshama. Which is beyond being able to be in the Golos. Is there Eich Megala the Pnimis and Gavana from Golos, the Gilaf and the Gula? So if you behave that way, so then you are bringing out that there is no Golos. The whole purpose of Golos is a, uh, the path to Gula. Because that's how you live. You live with your Neshama as you live in a way that only. Um, puts importance on the neshama and the things that the neshama want so therefore the neshama is not in golos so you live in a way that is not in golos because the, you, what that means is the golos is only a path to Gaula. Ches as was discussed already num- many a number of times Zanidoim Pirush Rashi Rashi in Antaira also contains in Yonim of Floim what the Rebbe calls extraordinary ideas which come from all different areas in Torah also in the area of Torah which is called Remez which means words or letters are used for um, symbols and signs and uh, allusions to other things and as well as Said, the esoteric area of Torah so we find also a, an allusion to this idea of Golos and Geula that we talked about in Pirush Rashi, we see from the Parsha and the Rashi at the end of our Parsha. Of the Verter Manitztadok, on the words which the brothers of Yosef said, how can we justify ourselves? They caught us with the uh, with the goblet that was stolen, and what are we, what are we going to say to justify that? Although they were innocent, of course, but that's how they expressed it. Is Rashi Mefarish? Rashi explains the word nitzadok. He says it loshen tzedek. It comes from the word root word of tzedek. Those three letters tzedek dalet kuf, which make up the word justice. V'chein kol teva shetchilas yisoyed tzedek, and any word which the beginning of the root of the word is 
with a tzaddik, it begins with a tzaddik, and it comes to describe a rather than me taking action, something that is happening. So it's, um, that's what the Loshim Ispoil is. Noisen tests the Mokam Tov. He uses a test. Usually the, the root word is surrounded, you know, in order to give it context, male, female, feminine, masculine, or past, present, future. So there are word, letters which come to change the context from a past to a present and so on. Often that is a tough. But in the case where the first word, the first letter of the root word is tzaddik, like in the word tzaddik, the, the tough is replaced by a tes. That's one change. And also usually the, the letters which add context are put outside of the root word. They surround the word, root word either at the beginning or at the end. Here it's not put at the uh, before the root word, but with elbeemsa oisiseika, but in the middle between the letters of the root word itself, like in the word nitzadok, which is tzadik dalit kuf is the root word, and the tes appears after the tzadik. In other words, in middle of the root word. So Rashi gives a, grammat- a grammatical uh, lesson here. Rashi brings of them and Rashi brings a number of examples from the Torah from different areas in Torah words which are found to be that way. The Torah and then if there is a root word which begins with a samach, oisin or a sin or a shin, also when the when it's going to be given context, hatof in that case too the tough, which is coming to add context, will not be at the beginning or end of the, of the word, but ra- of the root word, but rather in the middle of the root word. Or Rashi brings Dugmois, and Rashi brings examples for that too. Freer from Samach. First, it begins by giving examples of words which be, the root word begins with a Samach, like Sabol, Esachol. On the Noch, from Sin, and then he gives examples of words that be, the root word begins with a sin or shin, shamar, shoylil and so on on his messiah then he concludes the whole uh, thought the whole mis, with an example mistoylil ba'ami um, which means that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu said to Parai you are abusing my people name, speaking in the name of Hashem and the word comes from the meaning of the word of the root word is a path which is not trodden so what you're doing you're, you're uh, behaving in a way which is outside the norm that's the end of the Rashi so here we have a Rashi concludes with a, an example of a word which begins with a samach, where the, uh, the root words begins with a samach. We have to understand about this Rashi. First of all, Leuten Seder from Pirish Rashi, in Pirish Rashi, according to the order in Rashi, as Sumerishn bring the Dugmois from Verte Mita Samach, that first he began with giving examples of words that start with a samach by Monheb, and then he gives. He goes on to give examples of words, root words that begin with a shin. 
he should have brought this example of the word mistoilu, which begins the root word is slula, which begins with the samach. So he should have brought that mit He should have grouped it with the other examples of the words where the root word begins with samach. And number two, and this should all come before the examples of the shin. The words would begin with shin. But in fact, he brings it at the end of the Rashi, after he finishes the examples of the shin, he goes back and gives an example of a, sa- a word which begins with samach. Another question, why does Rashi say here, as mistoilul, that the word mistoilul is mixedas derech loislula, comes from um, the, the root word means not trodden, a path not trodden. Andesh, which is different via Zagba Atzme, the way he himself explains it, at the place where he explains which where it appears, which is in Parshava Eira, over there he interprets it slightly differently as Mistelus, Mixedos, Mesila, that the word Mistel comes from the root word of a path. Over here he says trodden rather than a, the path. Why does he explain it differently here than he does over there? Gimel, Rashi. Why does Rashi explain it? He expresses it Mixedus derech loislula, a path not trodden. Onish bekitzim Mixedus slula. Why does he say a path not trodden rather than say the word slula trodden? Similar to what he says in Parshaveira, that it's from the root word of a path. So why over here doesn't he say from the word trodden? Tess is the beer in them. The explanation is from the perspective of remez, as we said before, that certain words allude to different things. The is what's the difference between our parsha and what where Rashi brings it from parsha in this parsha it talks about as we said before it, the culminating events that caused the Yidden to go into Mitzrayim so it talks about the, how Golos came about Golos Mitzrayim came about in the, on the other hand in parsha it's talking about the Ersten Makas was the Ebeshad Gebracht it's that area is the talking that area in Va'era is talking about the earlier Makas which Hashem brought on the Egyptians which is the beginnings of the redemption from Mitzrayim especially according to what our sages tell us that already from Rosh Hashanah of that year it culminated on Pesach, but from Rosh Hashanah that year already, the Jews were no longer enslaved. They didn't have to go to work anymore. So the Geula was beginning already to develop. And the myth is moving. So from this we understand, was in Parshava era, why in Parshava era, but in Ascholos Geula, where it talks about the beginnings of the Geula, Satrashi as Mestel is Mixeras Mesila. The word Mestel he associates with. The, the word a path Hagamas even though what they were saying to Pari was you're abusing my people by not allowing them to go free that's only because he didn't realize yet 
that the Geula was already in process. The Geula's process had begun already. Pare didn't get the message yet. But in Emerson, but in the truth, what's really happening is the path is already there. The path to Geula is already there. So the Geula, there is already a trodden path. There is already a path which is set out for Geula. Because this itself, that Pare was still abusing the Yid not to allow them to leave, is given Hashem only allowed that to happen, in a way caused it to happen, because He wanted to show, Hashem said, I want to show my power, in order that it should be known across the world what I do for my people and how I, I will uh, get them out of Mitzrayim in order to uh, as the Pasuk says I want to increase my miracles my uh, the makas against Mitzrayim so even though the Geula was already they were marching to the Geula already but Hashem said yeah we still have a few things to do before we get there but it was already in process so the path is already there that's why Rashi uses the word path and he doesn't say not yet like he says over here, Derech Lois Lulazel, carry on to say. Mashenkinen was a parsha, but when we go to parsha Mikhez, Vudavtoichen is as Cholos Hagolos, where the discussion is the things happening, how things unfolded, which caused the Golos, is the Mistail Ba'ami and Anoifen from Derech Lois Lulo. Over there, when we talk about abusing the, the Yidden, it's in a way that the path is not yet trodden. As Zet Ois, in other words, it looks like that there is a Golos happening. Even though underneath it all, as we said before, it's all just the beginnings of a Geula, only the very early stages, and therefore it's still in, in the destruction, is very uh, disturbing and so on, but it is there, but it doesn't look like it at all. We don't see a path forward out of the Golos. We see Golos at this point. Since both of these explanations of Rashi, when it says the, that the root word means not trodden, and then when he says there that it's from the word of a path, even though he's describing the same word, he's actually interpreting the same word. So it's a, the fact that he's explaining the same word. That in itself proves that there is there's something which ties together these two things that Rashi is explaining on the same word as we know the rule that when there are two interpretations to one word they're connect, connected to each other. Even the path not trodden is still called a path. A path which is the word mesila which is as the word Mesila expresses the path which leads to Geula so even though we're calling it a path that is not yet trodden we're talking about the path which is already there which is leading to Geula but the reason it's not it's called not trodden is because it's not yet obvious that that's what the path is it's only that at the beginning of Geula it's a path towards Geula, but it's not yet trodden, 
It's not yet a clearly defined path to Geula. Because on the, on the surface it seems like a real Golos. But when you look beneath the surface, you look more inward, inward is the derech from lois lula, the path which is not yet trodden, golus gufa, in other words, golus itself, is an inyur from mesilu l'shar it's really a path for the, for the remainder of the Jewish people, which is the Pasuk, a path on which the Yidin will march. A mesilu to the geula, a path to the geula, filed of kavana from pnimis from golus, because the inner meaning and the purpose of Golos Mitzrayim is Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim Matan Teireh was really in order to get to Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim which is to go to Matan Teireh and the Rebbe brings Rashi and that's why Rashi brings the dogma from Mistel Ba'ami the example of Mistel Ba'ami which is a word starting with a Samach for state in the in the Makis Midvalcha which is found in describing the Makis which, by which the Geula began as I said before that's why he brings it in Nunza Pashi, he also quotes it here in our Pashu, where he's still talking about the they're just entering into Golos. These are the things which are happening in order to get them to go into Golos. So why is he already talking about the the, the Makis which lead to Gaula? Right at the beginning of Golos, there is already the purpose of why the Golos is happening and what is really happening as the Golos is happening. The Inanagola is really just a preparation for the Gaula, it's just the beginnings of Gaula, the, the Gaula from the Golos. And based on this, is Eich Muvim Favos Rashi tell the dogma of Mistel some Safas and Pirish why Rashi brings the Mistel explanation after the the examples of the Shin rather than together with the Samachs. So he brings it at the end of his of the Rashi. By this he alludes to us, he explains to us as the Upshlus and Tachlus from the Ma'ura is that the conclusion which is the Rashi at the conclusion of the Rashi he's alluding to the fact that the conclusion of all, this, all of these events meaning the purpose of all these events those verend itself in the Parshas from Yeshua Miketz of the whole story as it unfolds in the Parsha of Yeshua Miketz which are what led to Mitzrayim, the Golos Mitzrayim, is already connected to the Geula. In Golos Bepnimius, the Geula is already there, even in the preparatory stages of the Golos, already we have allusions to the Geula, that's what the conclusion, that's where it's all leading to, and that's why Rashi brings it at the conclusion of the Rashi. When Azoi is a Saich Benegate some Golos, and the same is true also for this final Golos. As when a Yid the Heret, as the Gansen Inyan from Golos is Nor, that when a Yid realizes that the whole purpose of the Golos is only Achitzein is the Ki sorry, the whole Golos is only an external view of this situation. Abba Bepnimi is, but what's happening really on the inner, the inner purpose of it is Shtete Hechaf and Golos, the Yid is. Above and beyond the Golos and Shainda, their Inyan Asid, and we are already in in a Pnimius within in the Neshama. There is already the situation of Gula, as we said before. 
does gufa bring the rays the pnimius and the golus and the helamalagili? That in itself, the realization of it, the recognition of it, already reveals that that is the real, the true state of the golus. That it's really about uh, it brings out the golus, the gaula out of the. It brings it to the forefront. It brings it to a revealed state. As kum de gula mitzvah you we get to the gula, the true gula mitzvah shleimah. Demishu it's a kenu through Mashiach, because of Mamish speedily in our days.